Welcome, scoundrels, to uh, Weird Wolf Unchained. I'm Bran. I'm Ryan. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian's pretty new to this, aren't you? Um, I have known several people who have done this, and I have helped them set up computers and stuff for it. But no, I have never done this myself. Yeah. I've got a little bit under my belt. We had the World Live channel that we did for a while, and I've been doing some outdoor stuff. I'm kind of hiated, taking a break on that. I don't know why that word didn't come out of my face right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm doing this. Uh, I've already recorded a few episodes here, a couple with the kids. Uh, I recorded, we have the Hellbound Heart and Hellraiser comparison up between me and my wife. And recorded the new one of that for The Invisible Man today. I am actually really kind of excited myself to check out the comparison between Hellraiser and Hellbound Heart because I have heard that there's some awesome differences between the two. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty good first episode for us to do. Yeah. Um, definitely got a pass for being able to talk about it because that's the main premise of that. Yeah. But anyways, what we're doing... Um, Starting off, I guess, we're kind of doing reviews of movies. We'll see how things work in the future, if there's anything more specific we want to get into. But today, uh, we are doing Paranormal Activity, both one and two, because I can't really talk about the first one without talking about the second one. Because their uh, they're stories, are, for me, are just too interwoven. And I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the interwoven part specifically, because I do agree with that part. Whether yeah. or not they should be is kind of my point of view, but yeah, we'll get into that. And that will certainly be fun to talk about, because they are, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, uh, did you have any summary notes, or did you just want me to take off on mine? Uh, go ahead and start. All right, so again, we're doing both of these at the same time, so I'm just going to summarize them both real quick, and then hopefully we can figure out the best way to talk about them both. Uh, so the first story, uh, Paranormal Activity 1, picks up the young couple who have started to experience strange happenings in their home. Micah, the boyfriend, has purchased a camera to start recording their lives in an effort to document the events. Katie, his girlfriend, has reservations about recording their lives and some of Micah's other antics. Things do continue to happen about the house, escalating in severity right up to the final moments of the film. And that's pretty much the first one. Because can't really get too much deeper without giving too much away. I don't think. Yep. I agree. <laughs> uh, the second story follows Christy and her family, starting with the arrival of their newborn son, Hunter, into their home. After discovering a break-in, after coming home from the hospital, which... Eh, never mind. Uh, Dan decides to have security cameras installed. The rest of the story picks up about a year later when strange events begin to happen in their home. Overall, the general story is the same, except there's more people and the scares are bigger and the stakes are higher. So go ahead. What do you have to say about the first one there, Ryan? First one. Your general I, impressions. First one. General impressions. Um, I, remember, uh, I remember when I watched it in the theater. I typically go to horror movies by myself just because I kind of prefer that in most scenarios. Yeah. And the first one I enjoyed quite a bit. I didn't expect it to end up being a series, but at the time I think I 
in hindsight, I should have seen that coming. Yeah. Because um, everything was kind of blowing up at that time, and uh, anything that made any money was spun out as far as it could. And unfortunately, this kind of went further than it should have, too. But um, I'll agree with re- that a little bit. Yeah, on a rewatch, getting a chance to actually... Not that this is the first time I've rewatched it since it originally came out, but rewatch for this kind of... Uh, and here comes my inexperience with uh, doing recorded audio stuff because I'm <laughs> blanking. My brain is blanking. Um, the, 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 the first one, uh, it felt very real in a lot of ways. And I'm not the biggest fan of found footage. And the primary reason for that is a normal person is eventually just going to drop the ca- oh, camera. Away. And everyone, everyone's going to have that line. And, a lot of found footage movies that they, they they do some sort of the, the guy holding the camera is a professional, so he he'll do it for longer, and then they by the time stuff gets too hairy, it's too dark, and then they have to keep the camera because of its night vision, and no one apparently carries a flashlight on them. Even though if I was a camera guy, I think I would myself. Yeah. But <laughs> um, so uh, the first one is really good at that for a lot of reasons because a lot of situations they put the camera down and it just catches stuff organically and the the couple mika and uh, katie they feel most of the time like a real couple most of the time yeah which is pretty good because neither of them had really acted before this either exactly and 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 for the most i mean mika comes off as a kind of a dude bro prick some of the time all and, the time all the time <laughs> uh, especially I, I forgot how much he came across like that in the second one and he's in there for like just two or three minutes it's hilarious but yeah um, i think it comes yeah, across so, more in the second one when he isn't there <laughs> uh, uh, well we'll get to daniel and his problems later i <laughs> Oh, that badly written Mika, characters though. are badly written, but uh, <laughs> Mika, I, I think for the most part, he comes across as a caring, most of the time individual that doesn't quite know how to be an adult yet. And I, I know I some that. people like that. So it, it works really well. And Christy, or Katie, excuse me, is still in college so it it, it all it, it works really well because they come across as human as real people 95 percent of the time yeah and a lot well, of that probably has to come from the way it was filmed because it was part of what made it good is they had just story beats or like script yeah. beats and then most of it was improv so i did not know that 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 makes a certain amount of sense after uh, after a rewatch uh and uh the, the confining it to the house was good. I know that's that, that's a budgetary constraint as far as filming's concerned, but it, it also goes a long way to the the realism because at the time the camera that they're hulking around would have been not the sort of thing you would have taken anywhere else. Yeah, on, no. on the thought that someone was going to freaking steal it because that's a <laughs> That, that's a multi-thousand dollar camera in 2006. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
which is an interesting point because this movie didn't even really become mainstream until 2009. Exactly. <laughs> it's set in 2006. I have no idea when they filmed it, but uh, it would have filmed around 2006, 2007. It, it okay. uh, came out to a few different festivals and some very, very minor. Oh yeah, theater. that's right. They 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 use some of the festival. Uh, 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 re- reaction videos as actual uh, trailer stuff to get yeah. people into the theaters when it actually went to the theaters. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, doing a little bit of a Blair Witch kind of thing with it. Exactly. Well, it, it, it had been basically since the first Blair Witch that any found footage had really taken off. Any so. good ones, yeah. Because yeah. there had been several. Yeah. It just... Se- several attempts, but nothing caught. One of my... One of my favorite things about this film is the tension it builds. Yeah. And 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 how sometimes, and, and again, this is actually a problem I have with the second one, where it seems to try to do the same thing, but it fails at it. This one has moments where it doesn't, on first blush, it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on, but if you're paying attention, you, you should be worried for the characters on screen because... There's shit going on that you can't entirely perceive. Yeah, there's definitely some good emotion going on between them. Exactly. I would have liked to see a little bit, something a little bit different with that. Because, like, for me, I didn't see this in theaters. Uh, I actually didn't even watch it for the first time until, like, a year ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and a lot of that is because I'm not really big on the found footage stuff either. Also... Generally, I'm not really big into supernatural paranormal stuff, but after watching this and the Conjuring series, especially well, the first few films, and Insidious, yeah, it, it can be amazing. It's but. it's pulled me into that a little bit more because yeah. all all of those movies actually got to me a little bit, and I don't scare yeah. easy at all. Yeah, I love it when a movie can actually pull me in long enough, hold my immersion. To the point where it can actually scare me. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, but uh, I just, yeah. I just don't scare easy at all. Yeah, like, it one, takes a lot to gross me out. It takes a lot to make me feel unsettled. Yeah, and uh, it takes a real uh, good jump scare for me to get got. <laughs> a prime example of a, a of a found footage that was simply just had too much bad camera work for the. Uh, for it to be immersive was uh quarantine the rec remake yeah uh, i could see that and there's yeah, probably got, a lot more to that too i got motion sick oh wow <laughs> in the theater watching that movie and the thing is is i like that movie i just can't watch it without pausing it <laughs> a yeah. few times <laughs> interesting yeah but uh, um, I forget when that one was done because there was a period in uh, American cinema where it was just shaky cam like crazy for a while too. Oh yeah, and I don't think that was the intention the with with the remake of Wreck the, the Quarantine. It, 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 it was just a side effect of unstabilized running with a heavy duty camera, and yeah. uh, the, the, there was a lot of that in that film, and it was like okay i need to look away otherwise i'm gonna puke (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i really don't have 
any problems with this first one at all. I had, for me, it was just a, a really solid movie, especially when taken on its own. Most of my problems that I do have with it come from uh, two, just because of the continued story and things. It just things could have been included that made it stronger, or a little bit stronger within the the combined story there. I I, I agree with that, and save my full opinion on that for later. But uh, yeah, the the. The, the only real changes I would make to the first one have to do with taking it into consideration with the rest of the movies in the series. Yeah, and it's hard it, to do because yeah. for me, it, it seems as like... As a standalone film, it's fine. that There's some stuff that I, I, I think can be taken or leaving, but for the most part, it's, it's, a, it's a solid movie it's it's when you have to put it in context with the rest of them and i'm like well okay <laughs> for me the only thing that i would really fix on its own is mika i would just tone down the douchebagginess a little bit yeah quite a bit like i still want him to be a douchebag but there's moments where like with the He's, ouija board yeah. <laughs> the i wouldn't ouija have included board. I wouldn't have included that at all, or maybe had him go get it and then be like, all right, I crossed the line. I'm sorry. Yeah, because, exactly. because then the, the, their the, later fights would hold more weight because that's something that the Conjuring movie yeah. does really well. The first one is they set that up that, you know, the demon's going to help build negative energy in here and they start fighting over little tedious crap that doesn't matter on any normal day. Yeah. But because there's it, this presence, it's, it's oh, it, enhanced. It, that is unfortunately a screenwriting cliche where the when the third act starts, there seems to be this unwritten rule where you have to introduce interpersonal conflict. Yeah. And I'm like, in situations like this, if this were really happening, this argument wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh, and that's the week- that's the nice thing with their arguments is it's something that they do argue about before and that should exactly. be argued about is just show earlier and, arguments where they're where he's not as big of a douche and then these later ones where he just crosses the line after line after line yeah and after a certain point it, she basically just starts ignoring him yeah the, the ouija board is actually uh i, I know nothing about the the making of this film really, but I, I, I've got a, something of a theory involving the Ouija board. Yeah. It was brought up multiple times in the early portion of the film. And then you have the, he brought it. Yeah. But, but he didn't buy it. He borrowed it from someone. So he was technically not lying to her. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Of uh, such a douchebag moment. But, and I feel like it was included because they didn't want didn't want to or could not reshoot the earlier scenes where they had talked about it. I think it was kind of always meant to meant to be there because it is a little bit well, of a it's, trope. It just it just dead ends. I mean, you get to the scene and then it sets itself on fire. He doesn't even use it, and there's apparently drawings in it, and it feels like it was supposed to be a major plot point for later, but it just dies. Yeah, that, nowhere. that could be, because he does try to figure out what it was trying to say 
Mm-hmm. But again, that doesn't really go anywhere. Exactly. It points to some web page about uh, some uh, some lady. I didn't even make a note of her name, but uh, it's, uh, Diana, Diane, I think. Diana, yeah, something Diana. like that. And uh, which so is the same thing going on with her back in the '60s, and it's like really and even that's, that's a little bit that's going to go irrelevant but, because there's other things. It just that happens to be yeah. one of his options, and he yeah. stumbles across the website. He's not even like doing active research for anything for the Ouija board stumbles across it. Yeah. Oh, and then my other thing, and I know there's a few other people from other podcasts that I've listened to that, uh, not really a complaint. It's just because their movie was so decent on its own. Yeah. The cross that randomly appears. Oh yeah. That is in the second one. Yeah. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes, I did. And that's, that's one of my like, go back and fix it retroactively. Yeah, that 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 makes so no sense at all, and I'm like, well, I mean, in the first movie, I know it's not like brought up or it's not a thing until she has yeah. it and she's squeezing it so hard she's bleeding. Yep. But it like okay, so my mind just assumes it's a family heirloom or something, or you know whatever is just her cross that she has. Yeah. Which... So it doesn't bother me any. That they hadn't talked about religion at all. I wouldn't go as far to say that they're they're atheists, but they're basically more stand- agnostic more, or more, more more standard American agnostic by way of not really thinking about it ever. Yeah. So those t- sorts of people may have a cross in their or so in their house from like a gift from a family member who's a little bit more serious about it, but that wouldn't be something that they would go get for even in maybe in an extreme scenario like that but i don't know yeah it's, it, it seems it seems a bit contrived to me but which for me is something that again like i didn't think anything about it for the movie when i watched it because it's mm. such a naturally occurring thing in these movies yeah and and I, you don't even necessarily need to retroactively like add a line which could have been done very easily yeah mika could have said something oh is that the cross your sister gave you yeah and if you exactly. did that did a quick edit putting out another DVD or something, nobody would notice or care. Um, or very few yeah. people would notice or care. But <laughs> uh, One of my favorite things about the is, is the the night cards. The It's this night on day blah and sort of tr- tracking the progress through this ver- instance of the film. I like that. It, uh, it, it makes it feel like someone did find this stuff after the fact and yeah. put it together. And I almost wish these movies had come out a few years later mm-hmm. because you could have definitely incorporated a YouTube element to it. Yeah. Like put the, a paranormal activities uh, the, logo or something down in the bottom like a lot of YouTube channels have. Something like that. Or uh, if it was being presented as like, I mean, we have two, one of whom's uh, actually on screen. What's his name? Dr. Fredericks, the ghost yeah. guy, and then Doctor Avery's is mentioned as the demonologist. I mean, with just a little bit more text, these could have been shown as being presented as a case study of the paranormal actually existing. This is day, uh, night one of uh, evidence found by Doctor Avery's, blah blah blah, sort of thing. I, I think just a little bit more on that end would have in my opinion, given it a little bit more oomph or authenticity and the found footage aspect of it. A little bit, yeah, maybe. But then again, you also have to figure that, you know, this 
video or these videos probably would have been picked up by the police and locked away in storage too. So oh, it's true. a matter of somebody else finding them. But yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of this stuff on YouTube normally anyways, like, well, more along the true crime stuff, but it does feel a lot like something that a YouTuber would do. Yeah. And in the first one, it's a much more of a major part because the different parts of the camera screen, like the timestamp and everything, all of yeah. that stuff plays a bigger role in it. So you pay a lot more attention to it. Yeah. I find by the third act of maybe maybe even halfway through the second one, I'm not even paying attention to the night cards. I have to agree, though. It, for me, it's probably a different reason. <laughs> I, I, I haven't really put a whole lot of thought into why. It just mm -hmm. It's probably a little bit because I'm not as immersed into what's actually going on on the screen. Because they don't have the timestamp all, all the time, and yeah, for me, unfortunately, it's it's actually kind of sheer boredom. It, the 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 second movie just doesn't agree with me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Maybe it's uh, it's not boredom for me because the second one's actually my favorite. Yeah, you, you mentioned. Um, uh, since we've gone into the first one for for a decent chunk, what why don't you start us off on your impressions of the first one or the second one? Well, like I just said, it's my favorite of the whole series. Again, I didn't watch any of these at all in the theater. I actually just watched this a few weeks ago for the first time. <laughs> so that's nice. why it's so fresh in my head and such a stronger impression on me, maybe. Yeah. And I, as I, you, as I told you before we started, I just rewatched the the second one before we started recording so that it would be absolutely fresh in my head. So I, yeah. <laughs> because I might not have been as attentive otherwise on yeah. that one. <laughs> I just we watched it again a few days ago just to pay attention to some of the little things, uh, some of the questions yeah. that came up when I was watching it with the kids that weren't relevant to my conversation with them. Um, I, I, I like the way it adds to the story. I think it's compelling. Uh, it's pretty consistent. They pay a lot of attention to detail like they do in the first one. I can't disagree with any of those aspects. My, 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 my problems with it are mostly mostly pacing in a lot of ways. But uh, Yeah, I can explain that a little bit in my own headcanon. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you brought it up. The, the, the movie starts bringing Hunter home, and then there's a quote-unquote break-in where nothing is stolen and yeah. not even all the rooms are ransacked or wrecked. It's just weird. Every and single one, except for hunters, which exactly. is our clue that it's the demon. Exactly. And then we jump at least 12 months into the future, it's, if not more. Yeah. It's about a year. Yeah. I think he's like and 13 months. In, in my head, I'm like, did nothing did really did nothing happen worth seeing? And I think uh, we might be a little bit confused on that. I think it jumps ahead a year and then the break in happens. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure the break in happens before but, because they get the. Uh, well, you just watched get, it, too. So exactly. <laughs> the, the security cameras get installed before the time jump. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, and the security cameras are basically there because of the, the, the break in. Yeah. Again, quote unquote. Uh, but I mean, that's actually a really great setup for the found footage aspect of it, though. Oh, absolutely. That that is my favorite aspect of the second movie because 
then you don't have to have everything. You don't have to have a character hulking a camera around to explain why something's on camera. And yeah. it works perfectly. And they still do a little bit of that too with Ali and her exactly. camera well, and yeah. other members and, of the family. And, and, and we know this from more modern times. A girl her age is going to film a whole lot more stuff than most adults. Oh, yeah. I definitely remember that so, being a thing when, when we were in high school. Oh, yeah. I mean, if not, not, that, uh, not that we had uh, cell phone cameras and stuff, but no, if, we could, if we had the opportunity to catch something on film or on uh, picture, we definitely would have. But Well, I mean, cameras were a lot cheaper, a lot easier to hook around at the time. They were still taped when you and yeah. I were in high school, but they, they were smaller tapes and they're easier to carry around. But yeah, uh, Allie being the, being the primary mo- mo- moving camera operator in, in the second movie makes a lot more sense than a lot of other found foot footage films. So yeah, that works really well in this one. See here. Uh, I do have a problem with him being a Burger King franchise owner because I have pretty <laughs> good knowledge with that world and uh one of the franchises that i worked for they owned now i might be wrong in my numbers here but i know they owned like 20 or 22 stores yeah and they either made a million dollars a year or three million dollars a year yeah and to live in that part of california which i have intimate knowledge of as well because i was in san diego for a while with the navy he has to be doing really well. Now, mind you, there's yeah. the Burger Kings that are probably doing a lot better than the ones in Wyoming and Nebraska oh. and Indiana, but still. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. That's one of the things they gloss over in most, and, and, and they even bring it up in this one. Allie does a little bit of research on the fam on uh, on uh, Katie's family yeah. tree, and the reason her family is so well off is because great grandma sold their next firstborn son to a demon. And it's like, okay, but up to that point, we haven't seen any examples well, of their family being rich. It's the, it's, it, it's been the male who's been in the, the movies who has the money up to that point. But I mean, we do get into that later in other movies, but it's like, well, and, and Katie, when she comes home at the beginning of the first one, she, you know, asks yeah, Micah how, much, how did... much it costs, yeah. which, yeah. I mean, we don't know all the details and the rules of how wealthy they're going to be. So yeah, and, and, it's and very, then, very possible, but the, they the, obviously they have some connections. So yeah, in, in the in the first one, we see Mika working maybe twice. Because he apparently is a day trader, they talk. They literally mention that once. Yeah, and I mean, for me, that's all it takes. Uh, I I find brushing a, a plot point like that off with just a single line of dialogue a little too cliche for my tastes. But again, eh. it, the the conceit is to have the majority of the family home for most of what's going on. Yeah. So I, I let it. I let. I give it a buy. yeah but then again you say trader and most people like oh yeah money (laughs) yeah and 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 that was a whole lot less common of a thing back in 2006 too so yeah i mean maybe it was easier to make more money with it 
back then, but who knows? Um, yeah, and who knows what he's trading and stuff. Exactly. They never bring it up. Uh, okay, so Mika, in my opinion, is a believable douchebag. He seems like the kind of guy that was super popular in high school, kept it going slightly in college, and then got out. If he even went to college. If he even went to college. And is just that it's not going to be a thing that he gets to be for the rest of his life. And the thing is, is I find Daniel in the second movie, who, if it weren't for the title, for the end of the uh, movie title card of when uh, Ali finds both of them dead, yeah, I wouldn't have remembered his name. <laughs> I, I know these films do a good job introducing people and introducing the, their, them as a character. Because I actually, I made notes of it in the first one, how good a job they did introducing both of these people and who they are and maybe not what they do right off the bat, but how they interact and stuff. Yeah. But the second one, I know they introduced him, but for 90% of the movie, I could not remember his name. <laughs> he was He's just a non-character. His response... To kinda. most things is either disbelief or anger. He, he's kind of a character. Oh, a little bit. I, he's yeah. he's a little bit of the comic relief too. He's definitely the dad of the family, making dad jokes and just kind of being there, but not necessarily always being there. There is definitely some of that. Yeah, it's and it maybe I pay a little bit more attention to it being a dad myself. Could be because it, like I really like Dan. I think he they do a decent enough job showing him interacting with his family and not being bumbling fool and completely useless and you I, know him being in disbelief is just kind of a trope of these uh, movies well so, exactly true that's true he, someone had to disbelieve i mean in the first one we only had two characters so it was kind of split between them yeah they both knew the crap was going on but what was going on seemed to be whether different in their perspectives and this one he takes all of that on his shoulders and again the the first 15 or so minutes of the movie yeah they do a good job of showing him being there being a person being a father but as the movie keeps going he just falls into the cliche and i have a hard time with him yeah that's understandable in my, um, in my opinion he comes alive again he comes alive again towards the end, though. It's like yeah. the, the moment the the dog has a problem, things start actually moving again real quickly and snappily, and Katie's not... Or Chris... Christy. Chris, ah, crap. <laughs> uh, Krista. Yeah, sorry. Older female person. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Krista starts being possessed. He is actually very proactive yeah he oh the shit just hit the fan and this is really happening exactly the, the moment he can't deny it anymore he's like well there we go <laughs> so i mean if, if if that was the point if dragging him through the disbeliever rut for a third of the movie was to bring him to that point to come back it works yeah, uh, I, I I just have to point out my perspective of, well, he's in that rut. He is a hard character to deal with, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This movie's got a couple of my favorite scares, and um, yeah. every time I've watched it so far, they have gotten me. <laughs> uh, 
see, I, I, I have to disagree with my personal experience with the movie. I find nothing in the second one scary. It, well, not just, necessarily scary because it's just well, no, scary. Exactly. The, it, all of the scares are too telegraphed, in my opinion, and nothing. It, I, I'm never in the movie enough. enough for it to grab me like that, where I'm surprised well, or anything. Just, the tension doesn't build as heavily in the second one. Exactly, and and uh, I made a joke to one of my roommates earlier that for 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 some of it, it it feels like someone at uh, at the studio got a a screener group together of the first one and asked, "What did you enjoy?" Yeah, and someone responded with simply, "I loved it when nothing was happening," and they misunderstood the response because yeah. in the first one. Those are the scenes when they're using it to build tension and elevate the the scenes where a lot of stuff is going on and it's kind of chaotic. They use that timestamp a lot too, where the time in the the first first one speeds up. Used really well in the first one. They only use that like once or twice. I I don't even think they use it twice. I think it's just one time near the end. Yeah, I I believe you are right. I think it's twice, but it's 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 not because there's one time with the dog and then there's another time later and honestly it's when she gets I mean, pulled down in the basement yeah exactly that, so that's, that's not actually one. building well, she's in the basement about two hours pass but they do the fast forward on that and i'm like there isn't a good reason to do the fast forward there a cut would work just as good yeah. we're not seeing anything <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, maybe maybe for me, for the first time watching it too, I kept waiting yeah. for the moment where the crib gets rammed into the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and it never happened. And it never happens. That's what the, that. And that's oh, fine. Uh, I'm okay with that. But, like honestly, I think it would have done the movie some disservice if they left it in. Yeah, I started noticing those I, 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 after moving to New Mexico. I worked at uh, a couple of video stores here in town, and then. Uh, Rewatching trailer reels oh. <laughs> constantly through a workday. Yeah, you you catch on to how abused the removed from movie scene in trailers is, and it's just Especially ridiculous. If you ask me, looking but, back and, at a time period where I paid a lot more attention to that stuff, it seems like it was real heavy handed there for a while. It, it, it was. It still can be in some instances, but it's it, Rogue One. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's the moment. It seems like it's toned down in recent years because people realized that some of the best scenes in the trailers were not in the movie, and they started complaining. So yeah, apparently but, now some of the best scenes in the trailers are some of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, who would have thought that that should be a thing? <laughs> Uh, whoever did needs to be shot <laughs> oh darn it <laughs> <laughs> um, just they're, they're getting heavy-handed with it in a way that it gives too much away and oh yeah it does take does take some I, of the the moment out of the movie i guess yeah. like strangers well, the, pray at night one of the, the main jump scares was in the trailer and i never yeah. saw the trailer so when i watched the movie it got the shit out of me yeah the the, the sad thing is about trailers and we're getting a touch too off topic but that's the, okay. Some people, and, and this is why trailers give away too much, 
And this is from something I saw from, uh, what is it? Uh, Movie Bob. Movie Bob on YouTube. This was from some interview that he did at a con with some editors and stuff that some people, and it's basically a mandate from studios, that trailers need to contain quite a bit of the movie because some people apparently won't go see a movie unless they absolutely know what it's about. Yeah, I mean, that could be a a tricky, fickle thing to deal with, I'm sure. I'm on the entirely other end of that if you want me to get into a theater which let's be honest right now isn't happening all that much anyway but yeah i haven't been to a theater in a couple years now since uh last jedi but before covid i'd go to a theater once a month just 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 to do it basically I'd, i'd pick something even if it was something that i wouldn't preferably spend money to see I, I i would hope there'd be something out that i would want to see in the theater but it didn't yeah. always work out that way but yeah this is some people just uh, me show me who's in it or if there's a surprise revolving around a character like i don't know seven yeah if seven was made today spacey would have been in the trailer <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, show me who's in it. Give me a just enough to know what kind of genre I'm going to see. I'm good. Give me enough to know the general outline of the story. Yeah, like not not even necessarily a general outline, but like this is a mystery. Here's some of the characters. Here's some fun stuff. Come fill in the holes yourself. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. The movie, going to the movie is supposed to show you the good stuff, not the trailer. Um, well, one, uh, uh, back to the uh, yeah, paranormal back to, back to the time. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite scares in this movie is actually, in my opinion, it, it's actually one of the first hard attempts at a scare, and it's about 50 minutes in. So you kind of gather more of my opinion off of it from that. Uh, after... Uh, Allie and her boyfriend have the Ouija board scene. Yeah. She's sleeping on the bed. And we get some of the stuff that made the first one great. The shadow play, the... A little bit of the uh, rumbling sound. Yeah, the rippling sound that only the camera seems to really hear. Something I did notice in this one is they don't use that as much. And that might be part of the reason why it's not as atmospheric. Exactly. in a movie where these magic security cameras are picking up HD perfect sound, you, we should be hearing that a lot more. Yeah. In my opinion, this movie missed out on a chance to use that sound as an absolute key for the movement of the demon. Yeah, definitely. And I yeah. think they bring it back a lot better in some of the later yeah. ones. It's definitely I, I there agree. a lot in Ghost Dimension. Yeah, I don't but really so want to talk the, about that. The one. shadow and the sound creep up on her and she gets startled out of out of sleep. And well, plus you have the that, static of the TV going on in the background too. Yeah. And that is that is an excellent, excellent attempt at a scare. And I wish it happened thirty-five minutes earlier. Yeah. And then they, in my opinion, they fuck it up by carrying that scene on too long. Because then, a little bit, well, she's kind of going upstairs to go to bed, and then the demon tricks her outside. Yeah, and then we have the uh, hunter getting pulled out of the uh, cradle, and the dog is just missing for ten minutes. 
of uh, in movie time, according to the uh, clock. Uh, we, didn't we Abby get locked from... down in? The, didn't Abby get locked in the basement? No, at, at that uh, point, or was that another moment? She, we see her uh, wander around the house a little bit, but she goes upstairs, and we never see her again. And huh. for for like ten minutes of on uh, on clock time of the movie, it's like. Where did the dog go? That the, the toddler is wandering around the house right? and the dog is MIA. And this is like the attention to details. A lot of time when Abby's laying in his room, yeah. she, her ears are perked, they're forward, she's looking yeah, the, around, she senses the dog something. It's one of the better parts of this movie until this scene. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then, I could have swore she got locked in the basement there. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I even went back to the beginning of the scene. To see what happens to the dog. The dog leaves Hunter's room, goes to the front door, goes to the back door, and then is seen heading what looks to be towards the stairs, and then vaporizes. Just gone. For 10 minutes. So I know this movie does a really good job playing with the doors in Hunter's room, too. The bathroom and his door. Yeah. Because that's another attention to detail that they did really good. Exactly. I mean... I feel like where Abby ended up is just something that hit the cutting room floor on mistake. Probably. <laughs> but And then Hunter wanders uh, downstairs. We're inclined to, because the, the last thing we see before oh, there's he a goes downstairs. Off. Maybe that's where my confusion is. The door opens for him, but we don't see him go downstairs. There's a hard cut and then a... Uh, about a five minute time gap, and then he's crawling upstairs again. Huh. We're left to assume really that he went things. downstairs. And this is an example of what I was talking about with uh, uh, Krista's possession. This is what they should have done with that instead of giving us two hours of fast forward yeah. watching the door. For Hunter, they just do a hard cut and he's uh, crawling up the stairs. Yeah. My he spent biggest some problem time with in that it. basement, but. <laughs> or originally, my biggest problem with it was how the hell does he get back in the crib? Yeah. Because it's really demon. creepy when the demon takes him out. Yeah. You're like, oh and, shit, what's going to happen with this baby? But yeah, he, he gets upstairs. Next thing we know, he's in his crib. And it's like, did and the demon help him into the crib? Dan and Christy come home, and I can understand him being upset at Allie. Uh, no, my favorite scares were the kitchen scene, just because the first time I was watching it, I just expected the pans to fall down. Yeah. All of them. That, and then everything that, exploded in the kitchen. That's why I yeah. like it. That, that, that is the next uh, one on my list for the uh, 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 favorite moments, too. The, 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 Chris is just in the, in the kitchen. Everything just boom. Yeah. And, and like even watching it second and third time, like, all right, I know it's coming. Yeah. And, but I, I don't know the timing. So my favorite part of that and the part that makes it feel the most real. And, and this is one of those moments where I'm actually kind of drawn into this film. The teapot goes off. Yeah. And she's just like, crap, I got to go back down there or that's going to start a fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just get to watch her slowly. Uh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, staring day like yeah I, I i believe this scene the scene is yes you know this i consider it one of my favorite parts but on watching it a little bit more i think it's definitely overused is that more of the scares happen during the day or uh, like the creepy stuff yeah and i think that might be part of the atmosphere problem too is that so much uh, of it happens during the day which in 
other movies is okay, depending on what it is, yeah. because you're so used to these things happening at night. Yeah, and and I would I would agree with that because uh, the um, a lot of scenes start with us cycling through. That's probably the, uh, why we check out with the night cards because not as much stuff is happening at night. Yeah, the the, the so a lot of the that. scenes in this movie start with you you see the camera for the uh the security camera for the f- front walk and then and then the pool it, it yeah and then we spend so much time with the pool in the front yard of this house with nobody there and don't get me wrong there's a couple of interesting things to see in the pool yeah I mean, the pool is definitely well, there's no one else around there's a couple of there's a couple of cool things that go on there but we spend so much time with the front walk and that freaking backyard that I feel like I was trapped in a, a, a virtual tour of a house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is supposed to be found footage again. Yeah. It's, some of that makes sense, but what, what, I mean, this do we always have a, to start with yeah, the front exactly. door it's, and go around the house a couple of times. The security camera system isn't recording it like that. No, like you could start in Hunter's room sometime. Yeah, exactly. That way my brain goes, what's going to happen to Hunter? Exactly, what's going on? Uh, Instead of, oh, hey, look, the lights are on on the front again. Um, Good to know. Um, But yeah, it it cycles like it's a single screen security monitor for a guard that has to do that. And I'm like... Whoever had this idea for this film needs to be shot. <laughs> yeah, well, the original director and writer weren't on there for this yeah. one, so he was producing. But uh, from what I understand, he was mostly hands off with it. Yeah, but unfortunately, I didn't have to know that to have guessed something like that. And I mean, because... Christopher Landon, B. Landon, whatever his name is, yeah. he did a really good job writing the story, and whoever, I think he directed this one too. There are instances in the second movie where I have to say, like, okay, one of my pet peeves with the first one was the picture. When he smashes it? Well, no, no, the the, the burnt picture upstairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Up in the attic. That's not a problem with the first movie until the second one comes into existence. No, and that is one of the things that I do dislike about this one. Because... Slight spoiler my, my for this sis, one. I, I have had family find picture books that they thought were lost and call me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's awesome. You're thousands of miles away unless you're going to scan them all. I don't get to really see them for a yeah, while. No but, <laughs> but So for Katie to be surprised that that picture exists... And the fact that it's burnt in the first one, that makes it really, really creepy. Yeah, it makes it really creepy. And they just had to explain that in this prequel and, sequel. And, and it was like... Because you didn't explain anything. You just, for me, it yeah. introduced more super unrealistic questions. Like, how did it get up here now? Who snuck into their house to put yeah. that above her bed in the attic? It just... Yeah, exactly. I mean... And Daniel did not do that. I don't. I don't. I don't care how determined he was. That man would have put that under her head. Everybody's always there. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Mika is always in that house. He did not sneak in there and have enough time to go up in that attic. That uh, that, just yeah. 
No, when that picture is first introduced in the second one, I was like, oh, great. They're going to insidious to me and undo everything creepy in the first one. Yeah. And fortunately, it's only this one thing, so it wasn't as bad, but... Yeah. Which is what my yeah. little spoiler thing was about, was insidious to I yeah. have some serious but, issues with that movie. So, so... so. <laughs> and, like, if you wanted to include the picture, cool. I have no problem with there being extra copies. Burn the picture all the way. Yeah. Because then it, I mean, then it adds that extra level of creepy to it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, the, 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 that could have been handled significantly better. And that kind of comes down to if the second one, and, and I know that maybe there was some concept in the wings for the second one in someone's mind when the first one was being filmed. I don't think there really was, in my opinion. I think it was just a, a good example of a prequel sequel right after the fact. Yeah. But I think the two of these films are stronger if they are edited down and made as one movie. I can see that a little bit. But it, 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 I, I struggled because, with this a little bit. So you do have to watch the first one and exactly. then watch the second one. Yeah, you can't watch the second movie on its own because then you have no freaking clue what the last 10 minutes is about. But if you cut the last 10 minutes off, it's not a big deal. If you True, change but, um, So, if you were to cut about, I'd say, 30 minutes of the personal time out of the first movie, which, unfortunately, would lose some of the characterization that makes the first one so good. Yeah. And then cut this down to about an hour... Maybe less, 45 minutes. And then you put the, the prequel portion of two on the front end of one, and then the last 10 minutes of the two on the end of one. I think that is an amazing movie. <laughs> Overall, maybe. Uh, for me, one would lose a lot of its oomph yeah, if you like did I said, it that way. You lose a lot of the personal stuff, which makes them such realistic well, characters. Not even that, but... like the scariness stuff, because yeah. it's all explained now. Uh, the second one, or is it, oh, like my pacing issues and stuff, and not even issues, like my personal headcanon and explanation for it, yeah. why the second one isn't necessarily as intense, is because the demon already has his power, kind of, like he didn't get sucked away and made less powerful. And in the yeah. first one, knowing what we know from the second one, he's pissed now. And he just wants to get as powerful as quickly as possible. So that way he can get back and get his prize. Yeah. And that's, and, and, that's what kind of cleans it up for me a little bit. And yeah. what makes two my favorite as far as the story goes. On its own, it's probably not as good as the movie. But as far as the story goes, it's definitely my favorite in that. Yeah, and, and, and I will give the last 15 minutes of the second one immense kudos because it is some of the most visceral and kind of violent stuff that happens in the entire series. Well, it's just, it's, you have the night vision going on with it, which makes things disorienting. You have exactly. Dan falling all over the place down in the basement, which makes things extra disorienting. You yep. don't know what's going on anywhere off street. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a really good, yeah, really good moment. Yeah, starting uh, even re uh, rewinding a little bit before that, the 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 uh, Krista her possession scene, the getting pulled all the way down 
the stairs, not once, but twice, effectively. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of semi-rescuing herself and then getting pulled all the way down to the basement. And again, the the fast forward on the door is obnoxious in my opinion, but that chunk of that kind of being the preface to the end of the movie is like, wow, what is going on? And then, like you were saying, yeah. you go to the basement, you go to the handy cam with the night vision, which is one of the, again, we mentioned this before, is one of the conceits of the third seat. Uh, act of a uh, found footage it almost always goes to night vision of some sort for some reason this is one yeah. of the better ones rick does that too and rick's really good with it exactly and yeah the disorientation the the even the uneasy calm that exists between the two portions of the scene that we're talking about well katie is possessed but not doing anything Necessarily. The demon yeah. seems to just be getting used to being in her skin, but everybody knows that something's freaking but wrong. Allie is freaking losing her mind. Yeah, and d- 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 Daniel finally snaps out of being a cliche, and it's like, oh crap! And they they uh, they bring Martina back, and they're like, okay, you saw this coming. What do we do? And yeah, the scene I do in love the that moment. yeah, the scene and- with the cross here. The, the, the discussion between Daniel and Allie about uh, this isn't really even a discussion. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm about to be the biggest asshole ever, but... But I got to take care of my family. Yeah, if it's me picking between my family and Christy's family, I know what I'm picking, even if she's going to hate me a little bit for putting this on her sister. Uh, if she ever finds out. If she ever finds out. And they did. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... It, it, it is... Without going too far over top, like some of the other sequels do at the end. Yeah, I've got... This is, this is, this is one of the most tense and visceral endings to any of the movies in the series. Yeah. I mean, the, the off-camera stuff in the first one is great because you're... I mean, you got to see her get up. You know things aren't right. And then she leaves and well, starts and screaming. Goes and then to he what follows. originally made Texas Chainsaw Massacre so impactful, impactful for people was the less is more. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you just hear this blood-curdling scream and... My favorite <laughs> horror movie of all time, Alien. Less is more. The, oh, more, yeah. your, the more your imagination is the more work your imagination is doing for the creators of the movie. And all they have to do is give you little snippets and feed the tension. And it becomes an amazing thing. And the end of this one does that in spades. And it makes, and it it doesn't save the movie for me, but it makes the hour and a half, hour and ten minutes leading up to it, worth it. <laughs> well, that's good. I said this franchise could easily end after this one for me. Yeah, personally, I take it all the way to four, even though I have some serious problems with some of the stuff they do. Yeah, continuity gets really weird after this. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, think we talked about everything that we wanted to talk about in these movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, we've covered 
basically covered everything about these two. Um, the, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it could be. The third one is my favorite. The third one's uh, really good. It has in the franchise some... my absolute favorite scare, just because oh, it's so tense. We'll have to talk about that later. Don't want to yes, go too deep. Yes, we will. Yeah, but, but yeah, the um, with the exception of some of the continuity stuff in three, it's my favorite. Four is in my again in my opinion. I'm with you on that. Four is kind of the end of this series for me, and it, the other two are just like you just had to go get that extra money, didn't you? <laughs> and I have no problem with the one to get extra money out of it. It's just no. you didn't have to include it in the story. Yeah, just just make it something else. Just name it something else. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, uh, I'm still working on the outro stuff, but everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll keep doing this a little bit. We'll get our rhythm going and figure out exactly what we're doing here. We were talking a little bit before this about doing something different for October just to break the monotony on the channel. Uh, what did you suggest? I suggested the addition, another found footage movie. It is a South Korean uh, horror movie by the name of Gonjima Haunted Asylum. I would put it in the top 10 found footage of all time because it does, all the things that we were talking about that are problems with found footage movies that they have to address and all the things that can make a found footage movie amazing, almost all of that is addressed really well in Gonjima. And something that we uh, we both talked about the pacing issues in uh, uh, Paranormal Activity 2, there are moments in this that I think it's a little long, but not to any massive degree, but I think it's going to be... Uh, hearing your opinion on this is going to be exciting for me. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because I'm not usually big on watching foreign films because subtitles kind of pull me out if I have to use subtitles. So we'll see. Totally understandable. <laughs> I, I think most people would agree with that. And in certain situations, I entirely agree with that. I can't casually watch a movie that's not in English. Yeah. Because uh, even though I've been watching anime for 20 years and I can pick up some words very well by just sound, if you don't have context, you lose a lot. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. All that. And it pulls your attention away from what's happening on the screen sometimes, too. Exactly. And especially That's, movies like this. It's really important yeah. to pay attention to some of that stuff. Exactly. So we'll do that because I think. Overall, I've covered paranormal activity quite a bit as I'm doing it with my kids right now, uh, talking with you about it. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen, uh, catch up. I'm behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's hard for me to save things for everything and not get too deep. That yeah. and I, I think I said at the top of the episode, doing Invisible Man and I did that with mm -hmm. my wife. I'm doing that with my kids next. Uh, so that'll be right, right on top of each other. So That'll be exciting, too. Uh, some of that will be brand new for me. Yeah, maybe uh, I watched Hollow Man today, too. Maybe we could just do that and talk about those instead. Could be. All right. Well, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, come back for more. 
where all the places or should be. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And toodles.